Welcome in. Hello, friends. Hello. Welcome to Spiritual Philosophy Chatter with the Joneses. I'm Danny Jones. And I am Samantha Jones. And here we are. Another episode. Another episode. Episode 30. The big 3-0. Yes, the yep. big 3-0. Yeah. Um, what's the topic of this one? This one is In Memory of the Borderline 12. Cool. And the reason that south, that's... But good. Yes, that the Borderline 12 <clears throat> is a mass shooting that happened in our hometown and... Today is the anniversary of that shooting. Right. So we are dedicating this episode to them, and this episode will be on that subject of mass shootings. So, Good. Yeah. We'll make it as lighthearted as we can for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, we did just come out of the spooky yeah. month, but uh, before we jump into 30, why don't we recap anything yeah. from last week let's do that last week was the halloween episode uh and so we got good response from that and we got candy too (laughs) (laughs) that we're almost done with yeah we did so i wanted to read something from last week not necessarily based on that episode but if you listen to last week's episode you know that we were um kind of dealing with power outages and fires. Yeah. Uh, so this is from a lady that I did a reading for the day of the fire. <clears throat> and I'm going to keep her confidential because I didn't ask if I could use her name. Right. So I just won't. She said, I feel like such a jerk. When you did my reading last week, I had no idea you were having the kind of day you described in your podcast. I wanted to tell you first how sorry I am that your area is dealing with these wildfires. We don't see much about it on my side of the country. I believe she's in like New York ish area okay. so yeah i know they, they don't see much no but after i heard your podcast i looked a little more online and saw the fire by the reagan library how scary my prayers are with you and your family i hope you are all safe also i wanted to thank you for helping me that day despite what you were going through you were so kind and gentle with me and i really needed that you didn't have to do my reading that day but i know you did because you wanted to help me and words can't express how much that means to me oh it's cool isn't that sweet nice. I, i'm not tooting my own horn it's just when i get stuff like this it touches me so much that right. i feel like i want to share it and we also did have other listeners that had messaged and even on our page had said you know we hope everything's going okay and so you guys know that fire is out everything's fine we are yeah. safe the city's safe. We have amazing firefighters here. Yeah, and luckily no wind since, yeah. no fire since, thank goodness. So no we're just praying some, yeah. for some rain would be real nice. Yeah, hopefully. No winds in the forecast right now either. Right. So we'll enjoy this downtime and, yeah, do right. a little rain dance maybe. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of rain dance. A lot, yeah. <clears throat> hopefully that would be nice. So. Well, that was cool. Yeah. And what was that person's name? I didn't want to give it because oh, I didn't ask her. Gotcha. And since I did a reading for her, I'm like, I keep Got it. it. Well, thank you. Yeah. To you. Exactly. Thank you. Nice. <laughs> she knows. <laughs> yeah. I always say thank you for something All right. like that. So. Yeah. So that's my recap. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Well, that was a fun month. It was. I really enjoyed doing the spooky episodes. Right. I learned a lot. I always learn when I do right. these. And... You do, because you really delve into it, and you're always, like, jotting in your notebook and <laughs> looking online. And... 
Yeah, and Sharon with you, you probably like sometimes like we could just shut up with your research already. <laughs> yeah. What is it, Stanford? <laughs> right, no, exactly. Kidding. Why are you teaching me? <laughs> and then you have to hear it again. Yeah. Most of the time I try not to tell you like right. the stuff that I'm researching because then it's not new to you. And I figure if right. it's new to you, it's just as exciting. Yeah, I kind of like that part, yeah. like coming in and just like sort of just what giving my opinion, yeah, really. Exactly. I mean, that's all I'm doing. I don't have a PhD or anything. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> but whatever. That'd be fun. Cool. Well, that was so good. Yeah. So, all yeah. right. Well, with that being said, are we ready to hop into episode 30? Yes, all let's right. do that. Episode 30, In Memory of the Borderline 12. <clears throat> so we're going to do this episode about mass shootings in general, but then get a little bit more into why it's called the borderline 12. So I'm just going to wait on that part until later. And we can talk right now about the mass shooting part. Okay. I did want to give a trigger warning to anybody that may be sensitive. If you've ever been in one of these situations, this might not be the best episode for you to listen to. No. So did want to give that. Please. Yeah. When I started doing the research on this, I wanted to know what exactly makes something a mass shooting as Compared to just a regular shooting, what are the numbers on that? And this is what I found. A mass shooting is an incident involving multiple victims of firearm violence. There is no widely accepted definition, but mass murder is defined as four or more murdered during an event with no cooling off period. And then there's um, actually a statistic group that puts things together and what they have come up with and what the statistics they use is uh, four or more people shot or injured, um, including the shooter, is what they consider a mass shooting. Right. So my statistics are based on that, <clears throat> right. on that there it's four or more. And the reason actually why I wanted to know that was because when I originally looked at how many mass shootings there have been in this country so far this year, I was astounded. Yeah. Would you like to take any guess? I don't have an inclination. As of today, 358 mass shootings. So four or more injured or killed. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, Of course, some of them are, you know, the smaller numbers. We usually hear about the the bigger ones. We don't hear like a lot of these we didn't hear about. And I kind of just look through them a little bit to see what they were based on. And a lot of the smaller number ones are domestic. Yeah. You know, family issues, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, and when it when it's public and especially metropolitan type areas or suburban areas of a metropolitan area, you tend to hear about it more. Right, exactly. Yeah. And there is a website that you can go to and actually see every day what the statistics are and what's happening. And I think I have the name here. Uh Crime Violence Research Group is the name of the group and they do this every day breaks it down where we are with this, how many people have died. Um, And I think at last count so far this year of those shootings, 27 people died because they do count the injuries as well as as the deaths. That's for the 358? That's for the 358. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And if you think about that, so if I did my math correctly, we are 311 days into this year. I could be off by a couple days. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not good at math. That's uh, good. That's good enough. <laughs> but we're, anyways, we're ending it soon. Right. But if you look at it, there's been more mass shootings than there's been days in the year because there's been 358. <laughs> yeah. So this is equaling more than one a day. Right. 
that's really crazy if you think about it. Now, I don't know. When we were kids, we didn't hear about this. I didn't do research on, like, statistics when we were kids. Maybe I should have, but I definitely don't feel like we heard about these things growing up. And I know that we didn't have active shooter drills in right. schools like our kids do. The, the earliest one that I can remember growing up was a man in the San Diego area in the 1980s walked into a McDonald's mm -hmm. and oh, shot a bunch of people. That. Yeah, that was the first time that it kind of my innocence was lost. Yes, and I realized people can just do that. Yeah, you know, like what? I had one. Of then those. you start to go, well, what is? What are the policemen for? What are the firemen mm -hmm. for? You know, you start to question all these things in your mind as a kid, um, and it's very confusing to even try to explain it to a child, especially someone that's been through it. I mean, geez. Yep. Well, and the thing about children, because I do have one of those types of memories, I, I don't remember what shooting it was. I just remember being probably about six or seven and my grandparents watching this documentary on a bell tower where this guy went up into the tower and shot people down below from the bell tower. I do remember that. That did damage to me. Was that on a college campus? I believe it yeah, was. Yeah, it was, mm -hmm. I believe. That stuck with me. And the thing about being a kid is a lot of times you don't know how to reach out to adults and say, what we watched on TV scared the hell out of me and I don't know what to think. Kids don't, they can't articulate like that. I don't think my grandparents even right. realized what they were showing me, you know, but it did. It did damage to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that stuck with me. It's one of those memories, you know. And I remember for a while afterwards being very scared about yeah. just being out in public. So these are the types of things our kids today are dealing with. They have active shooter drills in the schools now. <clears throat> That's sad. It's very sad. It's it's ridiculous. Yes. I, I can't imagine what it must be like to every day go to school and maybe have that fear. Because, you know, there are kids that have that. That was not our reality. No. And I'm very grateful. I'm very... Um, you know, I feel very bad for my own, or our own child, right? That that is a reality yeah, for her. It's horrible. <laughs> That's hard to wrap your head around because it is. when you don't come from that place, yeah, you know exactly. And for us too, as parents, we don't even want to think about it. You no. know, you try and put it as far out from your mind as you can. And every once in a while, something stupid will happen in this town. Like somebody will go running across one of the school campuses and then people will be like, ah, shooter. Mm -hmm. And they'll put the place on lockdown and you see helicopters and it's nothing. And right. It scares the hell out of you. Cause yeah, you're like, some dude was walking across the parking lot or something. Yeah. Like, ah, what the? It's horrible. It's, it's a horrible way to live in a horrible reality, but it's not just the schools either, because actually the two things that we're going to focus on today are, are shootings that happen outside of schools. Um, and, the reason that I wanted to talk about these, the first one is the Las Vegas mass shooting. And that is mainly because it um, is the most casualties. It's the biggest one, basically. It's right. the most lives lost. Yeah. I also have a personal connection to Vegas because I lived there. Right. So there's definitely that emotion right. there for me. Um, and then, of course, we're going to talk about Borderline. But the Vegas shooting, it, for those of you that may not remember, just to give a brief rundown, 
That one was October 1st, 2017, and a shooter opened fired on a crowd of concert goers at the Route 91 Harvest Music Festival. Mm-hmm. He was, um, I believe it was the 32nd floor that he was in, and he opened fire from from up there in the Mandalay Bay right. above the concert. The, I remember when that happened. I don't know if you remember when I told Oof. you. I, I looked on Facebook, and I was like, oh, there's been a shooting in Vegas. Yeah, when you said it, I just, I thought, you know, whatever. You shrug it Some, off, yeah. Somebody walked in. Mm-hmm. And see, that's what sucks about our own society yeah. is that <clears throat> I feel so like I've heard it. it so much now. It's like, oh, that sucks. But then when I really heard what was happening yeah. and then realized, bad. like, we had we had People a friend knew, that, yeah. that was there. Yep. And so, and to hear that whole situation and then see horrific, you know, videos, you're yeah. just like, man, well, what the hell is going on? <sighs> That night when I found out, my first reaction is my brother because he mm-hmm. lives in Las Vegas and he works on the Vegas Strip. Right. Um, he works at Brooklyn Bowl, which is uh, a ways down from the Mandalay Bay. But what was happening and what happens a lot of times with these shooting situations is that we don't know what's going on. No. And at that point, there were reports of shooters in other areas of the Vegas Strip. And so I immediately texted my brother and I was like, are you okay? What's going on? And it took a little while for him to get back to me. And he said, we're on lockdown. We believe that there's a shooter nearby. This went on for a while. And that was far away from Mandalay Bay. It was. It was, yeah. They're at Brooklyn Bowl, which yeah. is at the other end. It's not the other end, but, but it's it's a ways away. It's, a it's not, yeah, that you right. wouldn't hear, well, maybe you'd hear it, but you wouldn't know what's going on down there from where he was. Right. If you weren't paying attention out on the strip. But right. of course, you know, it's madness down there. And there's reports of of shooting shooters everywhere. And, and then finally, the story settles down and you, you understand that, no, it was one location, but... During that time, waiting to find out what was going to happen with my brother, it was like, yeah. oh, it was horrible. And you, you don't think these things are ever going to happen to you or somebody that you know. Right. And then we start hearing reports of people we know being there. Right. And and then the reality sets in that, well, just because I don't know those people, if I didn't. Right. Those are lives. Those are souls. They yep. got families and jobs and responsibilities and they're just out there having a good time, you know. Yeah. They weren't asking for this guy to take his life's troubles out on them yeah. with guns. Well, let me give you some facts about that shooting in case you're not familiar with it. The shooter's name was Stephen Paddock. Um, he was, let's see, like I said, 32nd floor, 58 died, 413 injured. The shooting went on from... 10.05 p.m. to 10.15, so it, it was 10 minutes long. It's the deadliest mass shooting committed by an individual. And the, ear, the year-long investigation showed no evidence of a second gunman and no motive. They have no motive as to why this guy did no, this. No, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe he was terminally ill or something, and he was angry about yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know. Because he gave his girlfriend, or his, I think it was his girlfriend, fiance, yeah. money to buy a house right before it. Yeah, he had this whole thing planned out. Yeah. He was mastermind. This wasn't just something that he decided to do, right. you know, one second. He had this whole thing planned. And from what I've read and understand, it for him, it, he hadn't really planned it to end there because there were things in that room with him that um, showed that he was planning on getting out of there and trying to survive like a gas mask and stuff like that. Yeah, he was trying to, 
I think they said there was um, a propane factory right by there. Yes, he was you're trying right. to hit the tank. Or, it was or the it was... airport. Something at the airport, I believe it was propane, though. Yeah, I'm not sure what it was about, but I believe you're right. Something like that. Yeah. Either he was possibly thinking about it by some of the weapons he had. I don't know if he actually was trying to or not, but yeah, hit those tanks. I believe that was what they said he might have been aiming for, because I, I, it did take, um, as far as I remember, shots to it. But it's not like in the movies. You can't just shoot one of those mm-hmm. and it's going to go boom. Mm-hmm. Those are made to withstand a lot. Right. You have to shoot like a bazooka in those Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so I asked our, our listeners actually how many of them had been affected by a mass shooting. And 45% said that they had been somehow directly affected as far as like they had been involved themselves or so they know somebody directly that had. That's a pretty high number, 45%. Yeah. That is. One of them for uh, this Vegas shooting, this is from Jackie. She said, my nephew was at Route 91 shooting. Him and his friends all got out safely. Before leaving, they took a few to the ER in the back of their pickup. They did CPR the entire way to the ER for one of the victims, but sadly he did not make it. They are all coping at different levels. Thankfully, my nephew is doing well, but one of his buddies has real bad PTSD that is triggered by the first of every month. Wow. That's sad. I did a reading for a girl I when I did that um, health and healing expo in Westlake. I did a reading for a girl that was there. And she was she had PTSD and she was in therapy and it was very hard for her to to really function for a while, she said. And I can't even imagine right. what that must be like for the survivors. I mean, for everybody. Yeah. But yeah, for the people that are there and, right. and what they must feel afterwards. Yeah, my dad had it to some degree um, from just Vietnam. Yeah. I know that like he could be asleep on the couch. Yeah. You know, and I would like going to tell him. You know, I had a rule that I had to tell him I'm leaving if I was leaving, you know, and so or if it was a phone call or something, I don't know. But I had to wake him up and he just jumped up like, you know, like a soldier. You're like, holy shit, man, relax. (laughs) It's me. Yeah. So. Yeah. Your body and your mind copes with it in certain ways. I'm so grateful I didn't ever have to experience that combat either. You know, real, and have yeah. to, and I know people that have, and I can see how yep. it's affected them. Bringing that up, actually, I'm not sure about Stephen Paddock, but the the shooter of the borderline, he, he was in the military. So I'm going to give you these statistics now since we're talking about it. So 14% of U.S. males are in the military. Mm-hmm. Okay. So one third of all mass shootings are committed by military veterans. That's an astounding statistic. It is. It really is. It's almost like, um, to me, it couldn't be a larger red flag waving here. Yeah. That's saying, okay, we have to have a defense as a nation. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we have to have soldiers to defend. And we have to have a way to train these soldiers to defend. Yes. And there's a big programming that happens to the mind when you're doing this to somebody to prepare them for Uh, this kind of combat and this kind of confrontation. 
the problem is there's no way to turn that off yes. or to or as far as I know, I don't see them trying to deprogram them. Right. My dad told me, and I told you this earlier, that he had one exit interview yeah. when he left the military after Vietnam. Yeah. It was with a psychologist. They they asked them standard textbook questions like, you know, I couldn't tell you, but I'm guessing, are you going to kill yourself? Are right. you feeling homicidal, suicidal? Right. Well, First of all, even if somebody that was, that wanted to go out and commit heinous crimes like that, they could just say no. Right. Why would they say yes? Right. Has any murderer ever said, oh, I'm going to go kill somebody? But then PTSD doesn't show up often until much right. later. It has so to maybe set this in, guy yeah. is perfectly okay. And then all of a sudden he gets out. Right. And the PTSD starts kicking in. Yes. And this has just recently been kind of coming to light. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if it's recently been diagnosed, but right. it's, you hear a lot about it. You're and, hearing more and more, yeah, for um, sure. Something that was funny that about that was how the, the government legalized, this was for a very short period, it was maybe only months, but mm-hmm. they they legalized marijuana and raised it to a class, they lowered it to a class two drug uh-huh. to start testing it. Because they were going to provide it to soldiers for PTSD. Right. Then they realized, oh, no, we're going to have to supply them because through the VA, they supply them with all their medication. Right. And then next thing you know, they they reversed it. And they're back to class one and testing is off. Yep. That's horrible. That's terrible. It would really help to calm a lot of their PTSD. There's (laughs) no doubt. And I'll tell you that. Not just the PTSD, but I have done readings for um, veterans that have committed suicide or, or you know, whatever, even committed murder, actually. Right. And the consistent that I hear from these spirits is that the military pumps them up mm-hmm. so much that it desensitizes them that like when they do these things, right. they have no feeling. And I'm not right. saying that we, I'm sure we have military listening and thank you for your service. And I'm not saying right. that this is the norm at all. No. But what I am saying is that I have heard that from military veterans that have killed themselves. It's part uh, of their training. Yeah. And, and I get that. Yes. But if we've put in so much time and energy into finding a way to train somebody to be the perfect soldier, why haven't we put that much time into desensitizing them or deprogramming them? Right. You know, I think they do go in going, get, pumping you up, but also that we're, we're brothers, we protect each other. Right. You know, we're, we look out for each other right. no matter what, and then all of a sudden you get out right. and you're alone. You're on your own, yeah. You got nobody. Yeah. I mean, not necessarily, right. but some in some don't. essence, yeah. you might feel like nobody has your back. Yeah. And yeah. so that can be a part of it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's a bummer, man. It really is. It makes me so sad. But I do really appreciate everybody that's ever done it. Oh, yeah. given their time or their life to defend our freedom and our country. Absolutely. I don't believe, you know, in war, but I appreciate it. I'd rather be protected than yes. just be bombed. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, you got to it would be nice if there was no such thing, but we realize right. that there is and thank you for putting your lives on the line, really. Yeah. yeah. For sure. For sure. 
so let's get into the main topic, and that is the Borderline 12. Okay. And so let me give you a little bit of background for those of you that aren't familiar with us. Um, I was born and raised in Thousand Oaks, California, which is where this shooting occurred. And Danny also grew up. We both yep. graduated from the same high school, Thousand Oaks High School. Yep. So this hits very, very close to home for us. So that alone for this shooting was one of those that really gives you a wake-up call. Well, and, I think we thought T.O. Ex- well, exactly. No way. Like, come on. That, right. that doesn't happen in Thousand Oaks. Well, and, and so you know, Thousand Oaks has a population of 128,000. Okay, so it's considered to be a, a smallish town. Mm-hmm. And for that number, for that population, it's the third safest city in the country. So when this happened, they have two murders a year. We live in the next city over. We're not far away. Right. Um, and we're, we're still considered one of the safest, but not like them. They no. are way different. Two yeah. murders a year is the average. And this one night, they had 12 and a suicide. As you can imagine Jeez. how overwhelmed they have been. Um, it, yeah, it's it's a little bit astounding for a town like that. I think that was one of the things you, you think, not only is this, ne- it could never happen to me, right? but it could never happen to the small town that I grew up in that you never heard anything about. I remember watching the news and watching like um, the weather, and right. when they would show Thousand Oaks on the weather map, and show how warm it was going to be or whatever, I would get so excited because right. my city was on the map. Right. That's how small it is. You don't see it often. It was, a, it was a bit different for me in the sense that actually being born and raised in Venice, yeah, I saw a lot harder of a world than mm-hmm. when I came to my dad. My parents were divorced, so my dad lived in Thousand Oaks. My mom was in Venice. When I came to Thousand Oaks to live, it was a culture shock for me. I can imagine. Because I I was very surprised on, there wasn't a huge ethnic diversity going on. No. And I went to school with every- I'm sure you, you know, did. I was actually yeah. kind of more minority. We had kids that were bussed in from other neighborhoods because their neighborhoods were too bad. Yes. For Their parents didn't want them going to school there. Right. So that's a little bit scary. That's but yeah, so when I came here and then that happened, I thought- Wow, like yeah. I could see that happening in Venice, right? But here, right? Whoa, it it blew my mind too. It really did. And I'm going to get into my story about how I'm connected to this in a little bit. So you guys are going to like that story. But let me give you a little bit of facts on this first. So there were 12 lives lost, and the gunman, um, he killed himself after mm. the sh- the shooting as the shooting was happening. 248 survivors. Um, like I mentioned, today is the an- one year anniversary. November 7th, 2018. It happened at 11.20 in the evening. Uh, the shooter used one gun, a forty-five caliber Glock semi-automatic pistol. He had seven high-capacity magazines, and he had a knife. He fired 60 rounds, and he sent smoke bombs into the club. Um, it was college night. Let me tell you what Borderline is. Borderline is a country western bar. Um, and that they do line dancing and they have popular. pool tables. It's very popular. Yeah. Um, Not for, even. They have punk rock shows there, too. They or do. They did. Yeah. But that their main thing, I believe, was uh, country western. Yes, bar. it was. When I went there, it was. Yeah, that was. Used to be a Charlie Brown. Used to be Charlie Brown's. Yeah, I had yeah. my first date there. I had a very good friend that was head chef there for a really? long time. Yeah. Connection to it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. 
Um, so it was college night. So most of the people that were there and that were killed were college students. Um, one of the people that died in the shooting was um, Officer Ron Helis. Um, I believe he was CHP. I'm really sorry. I can't remember. He was an officer. Yes, he was CHP. Was he? Okay. So it, what I wrote was three minutes uh, post 9-11 call, Officer Ron Helis and two CHP officers arrived on the scene. They ran inside and a gunfight broke out between officers and the shooter. Helis was shot five times by the shooter and once by friendly crossfire, they call it, right? Mm-hmm. Crossfire. Um, by a CHP officer and... Unfortunately, the the wound that killed him was from that CHP officer's friendly fire. Yeah. He took the, the bullet to the heart. So I know the communities had a hard time with that, you know, and, and I can imagine what that officer has to deal with <sighs> because yeah. it's like then you it opens up a whole different wound that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It uh, wasn't intentional, but it's like, uh, no, just shows you how wrong guns are. Yeah. I mean, we have a gun and we're not anti-gun. It's just that, you know, they have to be used responsibly and and not everybody does. But you can't stop that. Right. It's, it's, yeah. No, I mean, yeah. If if you're responsible. Right. It's America. I mean, it's our right. But be responsible. Exactly. Nothing against that. The the officer. I'm just talking about knuckleheads that want to go in and do that to people. Well, we were talking about the fact about the military and the shooter for borderline Ian Long. He was in the Marines from 2008 to 2013. He was said to be odd. He had a lot of like issues in school and he wasn't right to begin with. Right. So, and you can see in his pictures, he looks very narcissistic. I mean, I I am a psychic, so I can look at pictures and pick up things about people. Mm -hmm. And to me, he comes off as stone cold. Yeah. Um, Very, yeah. Uh, you can see it. You can see the mental illness oh, yeah. and yeah, the military issues. And he was a Marine, and I hate to say it, Marines are trained to be one of the toughest. Yes, exactly. And again, exactly. the training. Yeah. So that night, nine men and three women were killed. Uh, seven were college students. And there was how many in attendance? There like were... 300, you said? Uh, let's see. Did I write that down? You I said 200-something survivors. 248. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, yeah, like 50... 48 that passed away? No, no, no. This was 12. Oh, 12 the, passed. Yeah, we're talking oh, about talking Portland. About okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but one of them was 27 years old. He was a Navy veteran, and he survived Route 91. That is just wow. I cannot imagine. I th- believe that there was that one of the other guys. two people Yeah, there. the one, I can't pronounce his name. Um, I'm not even going to try to. It's, it starts with a T. It's long. I believe that he was there as well. I could be wrong. But yeah, two from Route 91, and this one he was. I mean, how? Uh, that's like Final Destination, the movie. It's like right. it just you couldn't escape it. It's your time to go. Oh. I mean, that if there's any way that would say that, that would be it to me. It's like you've escaped once. God. The same thing. I mean, I would just be if it was me. Yeah, and I survived Vegas, and then that broke out. Yeah, I mean, I think the first thought I would be like. Are you kidding me? Two times? I mean, the odds of it happening right. once, once yeah. are getting greater, but yeah. there's still exactly. better odds that it won't. Right? 
I am sure that you think, you know, everybody says lightning doesn't strike twice. Right, exactly. So you probably feel like, okay, well, at least I've been through that. I mean, the PTSD will make your mind do crazy things. And so you'll, you know, might be afraid and, and things. But he obviously felt okay enough to be out and doing, you know, the country music and enjoying it. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then to have to be taken that way. Sorry, buddy. Yeah. We're very sorry. Um, another gentleman that was lost that night, Sean Adler, he was the security guard. He was the first guy to interact with, with Ian Long, the shooter, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, then the, the cashier, Christina, she was the second, but Sean Adler has a, a link to our community yep. because he had just opened his dream business, which was a coffee shop named Rivalry Roasters. And his, I believe both of his kids went to school with, with our daughter. I know one of them did and was in his grade. Yeah, I think you're right. And one of Marina's teachers, actually, um, Mr. Dingman, his nephew was killed. So there's a lot of connection in this community of Simi Valley as well. Yeah, yeah you're right. We still, when we go, we like to go to Mongolian over by Rivalry Roasters and the signs are still up. They had to close it, but... Yeah, he never technically there. did open it, I don't think. I think he did, yeah. He oh, did. he did? Because mm-hmm. oh. I remember after the shooting that I was like, oh, I'd like to go there before they close it because they were probably going to close it. And I never got a chance to. Mm. But, yeah. Um, that guy was working his butt off with he two was. jobs. And he, he was, from what I read, so happy about the fact that this was his dream and he didn't care how much he worked. And he was a great right. guy, just, you know really looking for out for his kids. He was a single father. I was going to say he was a single father. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. That's horrible. Well, you know, hmm, poor, you know, Ian's got a lot of karma there. He does. Just his extension, extension, extension. It keeps going. Yeah, it does. You don't realize how many. So I want to tell my story about how I am connected after borderline. And there, because this happened over, uh, this happened a year ago, I may forget little bits and pieces, so if there's things you remembered, you know, please interject. All right. Okay. So the morning of Borderline, I woke up and I got a message from my uncle's uh, fiance. And the message said, are you guys okay? I didn't know if Danny's band might be playing that tonight. Who and I was, was this? like, this was Marty's fiance. Okay. So... I was like, what is she talking about? You know, where where would you be playing? I go on Facebook and see all of this stuff about Borderline. And, you know, because you're in a band, right. people think you're connected. So that's how I find out at 4.30 in the morning. And, of course, you know, you go into, like, immediate kind of panic that this has happened in your town and what's happened. And, mm-hmm. and do I know anybody that's that's was there? And, and I did. I did know one person that was there, one of my grandma's old caregivers, and he was okay. But... You know, you go into panic mode when yeah. something like that happens. And I'm not going to get into it in this episode, but that same day, the Woolsey fire and the Hill fire broke out. Yeah. So our community was hit wham, 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 just like that yeah. within a matter of It was already high tension. It was. And I don't know who, but I'm pretty sure that one of the parents uh, of one of the victims, that their house burnt in one of those fires. And a lot of them did have to evacuate. So that community, Thousand Oaks, Newberry Park, yeah. well, and us too, Simi Valley, that was a very intense few days for us. Yeah. And during that time, I was channeling my issues, 
so to speak, right. through painting rocks. And it's funny because there's a consistent in my life that I've noticed that when I see something for the first time and I say that it's stupid, I always end up doing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. It's true. Well, there's a lot of people <laughs> thinking like you because that's still a very popular thing. It was a very popular thing. And I remember seeing it all the time on Facebook and these people paint. Why are these crazy people painting rocks? Don't they have anything better to do with their time? And then all of a sudden I'm like, ooh, rock painting. <laughs> that sounds like a good idea after I was just yeah. ripping on it. But when I when we did go to the memorial there, I was astounded by how many rocks there were a lot yes. there were a lot and, and i'll get there um but so i painted rocks one for each victim right and what i did is i did mine a little bit differently i learned who the victims were but i didn't really learn anything about them i wanted a time connected to them psychically and tried to figure out what it was that they liked and then i made rocks according to what i saw from them right so my rocks are based on that um, except for Steven, I'm calling him Steven Adler. He is definitely, no. I'm sorry, Sean. You Sean. are definitely not no. Steven Adler. Sean. <laughs> From Guns N' Roses. <laughs> anyways, yeah. So I knew about him. So I made him a cup, a, a coffee cup. Oh, cool. So anyway, so I painted these rocks and I posted them on Facebook. And before I got to take them to the memorial, because that was my plan, one of my friends on Facebook is a funeral director at a mortuary here. And he messaged me and he said, hey, you have a rock that you painted and I'd really like that. I can't tell you who it's for right now, but it's one of the borderline victims. And we would love to have it for the family. It, it totally fits the theme. Um, but he couldn't tell me who it was because they hadn't signed any of the papers yet. Right. So I said, yeah, of course, absolutely. You can have it. And I had actually made a batch of rocks before this and had one that I thought would be good for that person. And so I just replaced the rock that I had made for them for the memorial with one that I had made the week before. So, But this wasn't Sean. No, this isn't oh, okay. Sean. I'm not revealing who it is yet. Gotcha. I'll just wait. Um, so anyway, so I painted these rocks. I gave the one to the to the funeral director, and then we took the rest to the memorial, right. which was an experience in itself. Yeah, it was. It was. Because for me, it was the first kind of situation like this where I got to a situation shortly after it happened and I knew about my psychic abilities, if that makes sense. Yep. I could go to stuff like this before and it, it would affect me in the way it affects everybody else. But now knowing my psychic and medium abilities, it was completely different. Yeah. The second I got out of the car, I was like, uh, uh. <laughs> and what happened for me was that they appeared in front of me, like in my third eye, I could see them in a line and I could see uh, one of the girls on the end with her arm up on the guy next to her. And they were all just there and they were happy and they, you know, they were happy. Right. And it was only a couple of days after we're talking right. like two to three days after. And then I went and distributed my rocks. And as I was doing this, a ghost hunter approached me 
that was yeah that was funny yeah she comes up with her camera and everything and she's like are did you know any of the victims no but you know whatever i painted rocks i wasn't going to get into it with her and she's like i'm a ghost hunter and my my buddy here is a clairvoyant and i was like (sighs) well i'm a medium so go away with your ghost hunting crap right and she's like there's spirits here that need to be released and i could tell that they were already released it wasn't you know so i was i was kind of turned off by it i mean it was a new thing for me but i could feel that they were all content and happy right so i was really turned off by yeah the whole it's their choice to kind of hang out there yeah. and just see what people are honoring right. how people are honoring them i don't that doesn't mean that they're they're not released no and they mean yeah they may not have been there they may have just been in my third eye and right. in that clairvoyance third eye right uh, just because they they knew that there were going to be those types of people sure. there it's That's not true, always yeah. like they just hang out because i'll tell you what the cemeteries, they don't hang out in cemeteries. Mm-hmm. They m- may be with you when you're there, but they don't hang out in cemeteries no. at all. So anyway, so we drop them off, right? And and there's right. that's the end of that part of the story. But then I find out th- who the person is that I get the, the rock for, right? Well, this, the one that went to the funeral home, this girl... There's one of three girls. I'm not going to use names. I would like to make this confidential just because I don't have permission for many families to use names. Right. But this girl that that rock was for, she was the one that stood out to me at the end of the line with her arm up on the guy next to her. She was the one that stood out the brightest to me out of all of them. Mm -hmm. So I was blown away that this rock was for her and that it was going to her family. And I was so happy. I was like, oh, that... She was the one I felt the connection to, mm-hmm. which was weird because she kind of reminded me of our ex-roommate who, yeah. We'll not say that name either. <laughs> no. <laughs> so the fact that that was like one of my first thoughts was that it reminded me, she reminded me of her, not that, you know, means anything, but it was like, <laughs> of course, ironically. Yeah. So anyways, so <clears throat> then... um the, there's a break here in the story a little bit. A couple of months later, I go to the Borderline Memorial and, and visit that. And it was a beautiful experience. And and I loved every second of it. And I was able to connect with them while I was there. But I went there. And for me, it was like I didn't need to go again. But I did go again. And the reason that I went again is the climax of this story, so to speak. Right. I had a dentist appointment in Thousand Oaks, and I had also scheduled myself a bird groom in Agora, which is about, I don't know, what would you say, 10 minutes from Thousand Oaks? Yeah. So my plan was to go to Agora first, which is the opposite direction, do my bird groom, and then go to the dentist in Thousand Oaks. But all day, I kept feeling this pull to go to Borderline, and I'm like, why do you want me to go to Borderline? Like, I've been there. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've been there, done that, I don't need to do that again. All day, pull, pull, pull. Then I realized I don't have the address in Agora for the woman for the bird groom. And I'm trying to get a hold of her to get the address and she's not answering her phone. So my thought is I'm going to drive to Thousand Oaks. And if by the time I get to the 101 interchange, if I don't hear from her, I'm going to go to Thousand Oaks instead of Agora and go to Borderline. And that's exactly what happened. And when I pulled into the parking lot, I heard you're here for a reason. And I was like, oh, great, here we go. <laughs> because when these instances happen, they can be very, um, you want to figure it out immediately. You, right. What is it? What is it? Tell me, tell me. And so you start searching for the answers. Right. And you well, It's like a bugging feeling and yeah. won't leave you alone. It, exactly. Right. So you have to calm down and like, right. relax before you can get the message. 
So I stayed there for a little while and just looked around and I went over to my rocks and I made sure they were right side up and whatever, waiting for this message and getting frustrated, getting ready to leave. And I walk over to the one area I haven't been yet and there's a wreath there. And I look at the wreath and it has messages on it and it also has blank cards. And one of the messages I see is if anybody needs therapy that is related to the families or friends of, you know, the victims, um, I'm giving free therapy basically to, to victims, families and friends. And that's when it clicked. That's cool. I was like, I'm going to do the same thing, but I'm going to provide my medium services for free to anybody. Same thing that Mm -hmm. needs it. I didn't know why I did that. That was just what came to me. That's what I felt the urge to do. So I went to my car, got a pen, and that's exactly what I did. I wrote on there, I'm a medium, and I will be happy to connect with anybody for you. Left there going, what what, what did I do that right, what for? What a dummy. You're so stupid. <laughs> Seriously. I, I, for li- real. I have a, a voice journal, and I listened back to some of my recordings today just to make sure I was updated on things. You yeah. know, I remember things correctly. And that was one thing that I I put on the drive home. I was like, you are so dumb. Really <laughs> dumb. <laughs> you know, nothing's going to cover this. Nothing at all. Whatever. Right. So that's what I assumed what would, what would happen. And uh, about a month and a half later, I got a text message from the best friend of the girl that I painted the rock and gave to the funeral director. Same one with her arm up, the one wow. I was connected to. That's crazy. Yeah. That's cool. It was amazing. But what gets even crazier is how the girl found out about the note because she did not want to go to the memorial. She goes to the cemetery and deals with things her own way. Got it. She did not want to go to the memorial, especially by herself. But she felt this pull to go there. And when we compared stories, it was like that. We had both had the same pull to go there, the same pull to that same wreath. I wow. was, my mind was blown. Right. And I was very new because I only learned about my abilities in April. So we're only talking like seven yeah. months later. Yeah. And so, I, or well, this, we're going back, this was a year now, but still I hadn't really done many in-person readings. So right. I didn't really know what I was doing. You were still like in the rush of it all, kind exactly. of. Exactly. So mind completely blown. And when I listened back to the voice journal day, that was something I said. I I said, I don't know how the other side orchestrates these types of things, but the fact that not only did they make me connected to that particular spirit, but that was the best friend that was brought to me. The way that she was brought to me was. One of the most amazing things I've had happen. Right. I, I just love yeah, that story. Incredible. Yeah. So I've been waiting to tell that story yeah. for so long. And to be honest, I was really hoping that I could get the best friend in here. But this is a touchy subject, not just the borderline shooting. Yeah. But being a psychic medium, she really didn't want, you know, right. people to, to know right. who she was. So I respect that. I keep it completely private. Right. Um, but you were able to meet with her and oh the reading was amazing it was amazing there was one point where uh the best friend said to me what does uh does she like the jean jacket or something like that she just asked a very vague question about a jean jacket 
And what I saw was the victim <clears throat> twirling around, holding the jacket open and saying, it looks better on me anyways. <laughs> and what the story was behind the jacket was that it was actually the best friend's jacket, not the victim's. Mm -hmm. But the victim's parents didn't know that. So when they picked an outfit out for the funeral, they picked that jean jacket. And so she was buried in her best friend's jean jacket. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. So when she was... That, but that was her personality right. when she was holding up. She was trying to show that right. that was her personality. Right. And she showed me things like them um, dancing in the car together and going to Magic Mountain and stuff like that. And the, the reading was amazing. It was cool. the first in-person reading I remember doing. And it was amazing. Yeah, I remember you coming home from it. Yeah. And being on cloud nine. Was... I was. I was I was astounded at yeah. how that was orchestrated. Because I don't remember. I came home and I told you that I went there and i i wrote that yeah. note yeah uh -huh. uh, but i was like stupid oh yeah i mean you said that to me but then all of a sudden like you said a month later or whatever yeah she contacted you but I'll, I'll tell you a little secret that i have found to how these things work is in life in general because i remember after doing that thinking if somebody's gonna see that when are they gonna see it and thinking about it every day every right. day when's it gonna happen right and then letting it go and when I let it go and I stopped obsessing about it and thinking about it, it was then that it finally came to me. And that's a lesson that I've learned with these abilities as well, is that if you're obsessing about something, once you let it go is usually when it comes to you. Right. It's very hard to do. But yeah, yeah it's, when you have that pull, yeah, it, it might be in your best interest to pay attention to it. Yeah. Something important could come from that that's exactly right exactly <clears throat> something that i forgot to point out in that story as well is that when i was setting up the meeting with the best friend um i knew she didn't want me to go to her house obviously she lives with her parents and you know and can't come here because we have a great dane who wants to be everybody's friend all up in their face so i said why don't we meet somewhere and she said well where do you suggest and so i threw out two parks and one of them which was the one i was hoping she would pick because i like it the most is coyote park and she said that was our favorite park that's where we went together oh, that's sweet yeah so it, it, everything another, just fit yeah, exactly another connection everything fit together like right. a puzzle and yeah so, that's awesome that's my borderline story and that's my connection. And yeah. that's why I love it. Yeah. And yeah. And I'm so sorry for everybody that lost their lives. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. But those people need to know, like you said, they're happy. Yeah. They are happy. It's us that's left behind here that's not happy. It's because hard to understand. We do, yeah, exactly. We don't understand why was this person taken from right. me like this? How could right. this happen? And nothing against best friend, but you know what? Spirits hang out in cemeteries as much as people hang out in mortuaries. Right. So yeah, she's always with you. She's always, they're all always with you. And they're, I mean, all these victims from all these shootings, all of our loved ones, relatives, families, they're here, they're with us, no matter what we did in, in, in our lives. And, and as much as it may hurt to hear this, Ian Long and Stephen Paddock are amongst those people that are in the places that the rest of us will go. Yes, they are. It, it's, you know, when we made right. this, the the heading we it was hard to make it 12 it's called borderline 12 but right. you do technically have 13 losses right. it's hard to count the shooter because 
it's the shooter. Yeah, I wasn't really at that point. I wasn't so convinced, you know, as much as I am now about the truth of my belief. And that is that we all do go to the same place. So I actually asked Samantha, okay, so you can connect with all these 12, but can you connect with Ian? And she was able to. Um, And that's not to glorify anything that Ian did. It was to try to get an idea of why, of why, but what's it like when you cross over with everybody that you've just killed? Right. And there was no animosity or anger. There wasn't. And as, as hard as it is to admit to. It's hard for us to understand. Yeah. That night that I saw them there, I did see them all. Including right. Ian, he wasn't with the group. Yeah, he's not hanging out like buddies. No. But but another interesting thing I forgot to say is how I described that whole scene with the the her arm up on the guy's shoulder. Right. I don't know if that was a vision that I saw, or it was what they were trying to show me. But months later, I came across a cartoon of the victims exactly how I saw them. And it was drawn after what I saw. Wow. So I don't know, if, again, if it was that I, I saw the vision of seeing that cartoon or if that's how I was seeing them because that's how they were presenting. And whoever drew that cartoon saw that as well. That's what I tend to believe is that's, that. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Whoever drew that cartoon may have had the same vision because that's how they presented to me. Why wouldn't they present to other people that way? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's no photograph of all 12 of them together. No. They didn't hang out no. together. They and didn't it, really know each other. It probably. was so weird to see that drawing. I was like, wait, did I? Right. What happened here? And I saw the date on the drawing. So I realized my vision was before and it was another one of those. Right. But as far as the shooters go, yeah, it, it I felt the need to connect to him because it is a very personal thing that this happened in my hometown and I wasn't easy for me, but I was able to get a different perspective about why, what happened that night and not why it happened. I think he just was not there. Right. He, wasn't he was well. just not there. And um, he even kind of said that a yeah. lot of what had been done to him through his experience in the military. Yes. He couldn't shake it. That was a part of, yeah, the issue. Absolutely. It it was when I see the visions of that night and I, before he went in there, he's so stone cold, just blank stare, nothing. There was nothing. There was no emotion at all. And that's scary. Yeah. That's just like somebody, he just turned, flipped a switch and turned mm-hmm. it off. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. But yeah. So well, there's our heavy episode. Yeah. That was dang. Yeah. You got me there at the end. I, I did. Like, I got <gasps> myself. I know. Talk amongst yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and me i'm not gonna cry i'm not right. i'm not gonna cry oh sure right but you know what that memorial is beautiful um I, i've there's a new one now i haven't seen that i want to go i yeah. kind of liked that whole thing just at the first you know I, yeah. I wasn't real keen on going at first but i was blown away yeah uh, i was just the amount of rocks i'm thinking there's going to be some non-profit save the rocks group pretty soon <laughs> Because there's so many rocks here, you know. Yeah, I'll post some pictures actually once we release this episode. So go and take a look. Because uh, they had the first memorial that you went to with me. 
And then the second one where they moved everything up to the front door of the borderline, which made it even more intense to be there, like, because I could see visions of what happened that night. It was very intense for me. But I don't, I'm assuming they still have that one there at borderline. But the one that they just opened is, uh, I believe it's at Conejo Creek Park in Thousand Oaks by the library and the team teen center that's the memorial it's the memorial and everything there is done in 12s and personalized with the victims names mm. i can't wait i think it's opening today i just i know i'm going to be an emotional basket case so i have to wait <laughs> a little while we'll go we'll go yeah cool. i don't know where my rocks are now but <laughs> yeah and what's really interesting too is after that i think i only painted one more set of rocks and i was done yeah you just stopped it, it came in when I needed to do it to take right. my mind off things to make that rock for all the victims, but also for the one that went directly to the family. And then it left. Right. I think you were doing something that was necessary at the time because it's a very meditative process. Yes. So you were sort of just kind of checking out and I had doing to at these. That point, yeah. Not because of borderline, but when you were doing the rocks in general, even before borderline. Yeah. That you were tapping into your gift and you needed a way to check out. I did. So your mind would be completely like open. Yeah. Because you were getting a lot of things when you were sitting there just silent, you know? Yeah. One of them actually that I I was, I started getting tips because I'm not artistic at all. Let me tell you, deciding to paint rocks was not something that I was like, oh, I'm going to be really good at this. I was like, I'm going to really suck at this, but I'm going to give it a try anyways. You did good. Thank you. But one of the reasons that I did well, besides my artist husband that helped me, of course, (laughs) was my father on the other side, who Mm -hmm. I didn't even know was an artist. And all of a sudden, I start hearing these tips on how to do things, and I'm drawing better, and it's making sense. And it's crystal clear. And I'm like, why didn't I ever think of these things before? Those things, when you have those moments, those why, why is this so, like, common knowledge you would think but it's not why did i think of this before those are usually messages but my dad helped me a lot in that and it was a bonding experience for me and him as well it i have the same experience when i'm playing music like there are hit pockets where it starts to come like sort of some understanding of why didn't i think of that before right isn't it weird how that like happens a, wow, i didn't realize that chord would go right next to that chord beautifully why didn't i think of that it's these little epiphanies i, stumbled. I, I have them all the time now with right. these abilities i don't remember having them as much before but now there's those moments of duh you mm-hmm. know why didn't i think of that 20 years ago or you know simple stupid things right. that they help me with now it's it's nice it's a trip yeah it is but Anyways, well, that's my story. I think we have run out of time, my dear. Yeah. We so did good. that was a good episode. It Thanks. Was. It was a hard one. Sorry, folks. Yeah. But um, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed you know, it. You know, keeping the memory alive yeah. and letting you know that um, they're okay. Yeah, they are. All of them. Yeah. They're good. So, well, before we say goodbye, would you like to share any of your information? Yes. Um, you can find out everything you need to know about me on my website, samanthajonespsychicmedium.com. It has our podcast, my blog, everything. Everything you need. Beautiful. Yeah. And I'll make it easy. If you like art, djonesartcollection.com, Facebook and Instagram, at djonesartcollection, Gypsy Brown with an E, Brown with an E, dot com. <laughs> 
Or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram, Gypsy Brown, at Gypsy Brown Music. Yay. And that's it. That's it. Cool. Yeah. Well, we had a lovely week. Yes. With you again. Not week. Episode. Episode. But, but we hope you have a great week. Yes. And until next week, peace and love. love.